really lovely just to come together and uh, uh, share the word of God together. I just want to encourage you to just continue to pray uh, for God to be poured out among us as we come together on a Sunday morning. Let's pray and uh, let's just ask God to meet with us now. As we come around his word, let's just be open to him. Heavenly Father, we just welcome you here. Lord, we want just to uh, know something more of you. Lord, as we gather in this place, Lord, we come, Lord, with an expectant heart. Lord, it's uh, been a busy week. Lord, it's been, uh, Lord, lots of things on our agendas, Lord. But, but we come together, Lord, to seek you, Lord, to worship you, to give, Lord, you honor. Lord, because you've changed our lives. And so right now, Lord, we just ask you to come and fill our hearts and our minds and our lives today, Lord, as we just wait before you. Lord, come and say what you want to say and do what you want to do among us, Lord. We're hungry for you. We're hungry for you, Lord. And Lord, we don't want to just come and do church and leave. Lord, we want to meet with you. We want you to deposit something of your grace in our lives. Lord, we want to encounter you in the midst of of what we do together today. So Lord, just come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just to say that next week, uh, Jay Fallon, Jay and Fiona will be here. And um, they, you know, will be starting really to, to kind of start to work in the church as well from then uh, on a part-time basis. So he'll be here. It's Pentecost Sunday next week. So, you know, we're going to just be celebrating Pentecost together and uh, uh, just seeing what the Lord wants to do among us. So uh, let's welcome them next week when they come. And uh, just uh, really believe that God is going to do something significant in these next few months and years that, that God's brought us together for a purpose. And uh, it's going to work in us and through us. Amen. Uh, We uh, are in the Word today. We're just uh, starting off uh, uh, with a verse verse from Proverbs, Proverbs 4, verse 23. Most of you, many of you will know this verse. Um, But we've been doing this series called Making the Most of What You Have and um, really just talking about how we have stuff in our lives that we're all in in response, taking responsibility for. That actually we, we have to take responsibility for how we live. God has given us life and life is full of lots of different things and so we've talked a little bit about them and um, that we have a responsibility if we're going to enjoy life that we've been given to steward what God has given us. To say, okay, this is the talent I've got. This is the character I have. This is the opportunity I have. These are the relationships I have and so uh, these are the resources that I have. So how I use these is important. That I need to think about them because actually I want to use them for the kingdom of God. I want to use them as a follower of Jesus Christ because that's what we're seeking to do is follow him. We don't just believe in him, we follow him, yeah? We don't just people who say, well, you know, I met with him one day. No, I'm following him. And um, I, I think that's the important thing for us to understand today, that we're followers of Jesus. So therefore, we've got to uh, steward and invest and use what God has given us to, to make sure that we do that in the best way possible. And today I want to use this little verse and really talk about making the most of our heart. Oh, our heart. You know, we've all got a heart, hopefully. Um, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about our heart. This amazing verse in uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Wow, what an amazing verse. Above all, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It's a priority. You know, um, I guess we all know that hearts are important physically, but we also need to know that hearts are important in how we live our lives. And, you know, the writer of Proverbs thousands of years ago kind of outlines to us, actually, you know what, you need to think about how your heart is and how your attitude of your heart is, because how your heart is affects everything you do. Have you ever noticed? If your heart's not in it, 
it changes how you approach something. If your heart is uh, distant, then it, it, it kind of like works out in the way that you give yourself. If your heart has been wounded, then you start to draw back. If your heart is excited, you give something more of yourself. How your heart operates and how you work with that changes how you do it. And I think we've got to stop just being reactive to how our heart feels and start to be uh, proactive in how we determine how our heart is if we're going to make a change in the world. If we're going to change even the way that we live, we've got to take responsibility. Because very often we can just go, oh, well, you know, uh, my heart is wounded, therefore I'm out. Hello. And sometimes you've got to say, actually, my heart's wounded, but I need to recover because I can't afford to just be out. Why? Because everything you do flows out of your heart. So if your heart is wounded, you're going to flow woundedness out to people. If your heart is self-centered, you're going to flow self-centeredness out into the world around you. And so therefore you have to think about how you're created. Uh, There were 532 verses in my Bible with the word heart in. I read all of them on Thursday afternoon. I didn't read them all carefully, but I read all of them. I went through on my computer. Man. And, And what they paint is a picture of how important our hearts are to us. The inclination of our hearts, the Bible says, draws us to God or away from him. Isn't that amazing? It's the heart that makes that decision. It's the heart that, I'm not talking about the beating muscle in our, in our bodies. I'm talking about, when the Bible talks about our heart, it's talking about the seat of our emotions and our will and our determination and our desires. It's talking about how we make these decisions in life that drive us. And the Bible says that actually the inclination of our heart will drive us towards God or away from him. The Bible says that if we're not careful, we can become hard of heart. We know what that feels like, don't we? that actually somebody uh, says something and we go, oh, not again. Our hearts become hard and, and actually people's lives bounce off us. We can set our hearts on something. Have you ever set your heart on something? You just want it. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be a new car. It could be a new TV, Matthew. It could be a new... It could be anything, couldn't it? You just, uh, you, you just set your heart in it and all of a sudden you want it and, and, and all of a sudden it's, if I just have the, and it drives you and you start to think about how you spend your money and what you do because you want something, you've set your heart on it and it becomes this force in your life. Why? Because the heart is a force in our lives. Therefore, we need to guard our hearts because it will either lead us to destruction or it will lead us to opportunity. Above everything, it says, guard your heart. Our hearts can become overwhelmed, the Bible says. And we lose the ability to function properly. Man, that's true, isn't it? That sometimes we just find ourselves in a context of life where we're just so overwhelmed with the stuff of life that's happened, the things, the circumstances, the the, the failures maybe, the guilt. And our heart becomes so overwhelmed that we just don't really know how we can get through the next day. It's a heart issue. Because if we can just look after our heart, then actually we can deal with the issues. But if our heart is overwhelmed, we start to shut down. Our hearts get wounded. We know that the wounds of a heart can be painful, as painful as a physical injury sometimes. And they leave us just unable to function and devastated. And therefore, I think that we need to guard our hearts for everything that we do. 
flows from it. We need to understand that we have to take responsibility for the condition of our hearts. Do you remember when Samuel came to um, Jesse's house and said, I've come to anoint one of your sons as king. And he lines up his seven sons. He has eight, but he lines up seven of them. And uh, uh, Samuel comes to the first one and he looks at him, he says, and he was physically strong and attractive and handsome and ready to go. And he said, surely this is the man the Lord has chosen. And the Lord whispers into Samuel's ear, I've rejected him because I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. I'm concerned about what's going on inside. I'm concerned about how he's wired. I'm concerned about what's happening in him. And I can see beyond the outward and look at the heart. Can I ask you today, how's the view of your heart today? What does it look like to God? What does he see when he looks at you? Does he see a wounded heart, a hard heart? Does he see something that's resistant to him? Does he see someone that's confused and in pain? Does he see someone who's open and ready to respond? David was picked up because it says the Lord looks at the heart. That's why I think that hearts are a stewardship issue. Proverbs 14 verse 30 says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Don't you love that? A heart at peace gives life to the body. I I, I recognize that in my own life, don't you? When I'm not at peace with myself, when I'm not at peace with myself and God, when I'm not, when my heart is troubled, then everything, I just start to feel, anybody recognize that theological term? It just describes how we feel. All of a sudden, life's hard. All of a sudden, relationships are difficult. All of a sudden, our purpose doesn't become clear. All of a sudden, we just become anxious or we become irritated or we become smaller inside. And it's because all of a sudden, we're not at peace with our heart. And so I want to tell you today, we need to think about how it works. It's important to guard our hearts. And when I say that, I don't mean that we put up a wall and we put some barbed wire on it and we just say, hey, no one's ever going to touch me again. Because that's quite a negative way of defending yourself. I don't know if you've noticed. Because that might keep you safe, friends. But what it stops is it stops anything flowing from you. Because when you build a wall around you, it stops the flow of life. When you break relationships instead of restore them, it stops the flow of life. And instead of having an abundant life, you have a smaller life. A life that's less because actually it might, be, might feel safer, but soon what will happen is the flow of your life begins to diminish and your, your peace begins to go and your uh, opportunity begins to dry up and you feel more and you become more and more secure in your insecurity because you've withdrawn from, from life. And you said, I, I can't afford to be out, to be giving and to be open. See, it's amazing what changing your heart does to your attitude. <laughs> it's amazing what changing your heart does to the things that you have to do day by day. It's amazing what, what tackling the, the, the demons of the inner self brings freedom into our lives. And it doesn't mean that our circumstances have to change, but it means that we've changed and therefore our outlook changes. Because our heart has changed, because we've guarded it, because we said, hey, I'm not going to be done. Yeah, have you ever noticed that other people's negative criticism can make you negative and critical? You ever been there? Oh, I didn't like that today. I thought that was too loud or too soft or too whatever it was. And before long you go, oh, you know what? I think you're right. I, I th- oh, yeah. What was that about? I didn't like that at all. You have been to a restaurant and thought the food was great until someone said, oh, I thought the service was terrible. And you think, oh, maybe it was. 
what is it? It's, it's we're allowing. See, we've got to see. Sometimes we just have to guard our hearts from other people's negative comments. We can't stop them being negative, friends. But you can guard yourself from it. You can say, "Hey, that's not how I'm going to live." Now, you might think that's simple, friends, but I'm telling you, if you can guard your heart and be at peace with yourself, then you'll be at peace in life, and you'll be at peace with God. See, most of the, stra- the struggle and strain in our lives come from not being at peace with ourselves and with God. And we spend our lives trying to feel that we're more significant than we are. Why? Because we're not at peace in our hearts. Because someone's wounded us. Because someone said, actually, you know what? You'll never achieve it. Someone said, you know, uh, you're, you're rubbish at that. And we believe them. We let our hearts get hurt by it. And all of a sudden, we, we've defined our lives by the level of someone else's judgment. And our hearts have been reduced. So how important is it for to heart our hearts, to, to, to guard our hearts and give ourselves to what God wants to say to us? Some of you maybe need to start taking down the barbed wire along your heart today. And start to say, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, I, I, I feel safer than I did, Lord, but I know there's no flow in my life anymore. I know there's nothing that's really flowing out of me anymore. I've dried up. I didn't mean to, I didn't set out to do that, but it's just become something that's stationary in my life. I'm going to talk this morning, very briefly, just about um, how we can guard our hearts in, in, in a positive way. Firstly, the Bible tells us we should have an open heart, an open heart. We should be open-hearted. Do you know what I mean? We should be open-hearted. Some of you need to remind yourself that as you look at me today. Be open-hearted, encourage, encourage the boy at the front, do you know what I mean? We should be someone who just has a willingness to allow ourselves to be open to other people. The psalmist says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my heart. Imagine saying to God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Now here's the deal, friends. God knows your heart anyway, whether you give him permission or not. (laughs) Hello. But the relational context of it is the important thing. Lord, I want you to know me. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He's saying, God, I want to live in such a relationship with you that there's an openness with you that you're able to put your hand upon my life and say what you like. Search me, Lord. Search me. Dig deep within me. Challenge what's going on in my life because I want to walk with you. He even says, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I want you to know, friends, that's a dangerous question to say. See if there's any offensive way in me. I'm not sure I'd ask anybody that. Can you tell me if there's anything about me that you don't like? I'm not sure I'm up for saying that. (laughs) We've all got a bit of a list, haven't we? But you can say to the Lord, Lord, I'm so open with you, Lord. I've learned to open my heart. God, I want to be open-hearted before you and before people. Being open-hearted is a human trait. We all know what it means to close off to somebody. You know, somebody talks to us and they, you know, they've hurt us. And all of a sudden we can say the right words, but actually inside we're closed. And we know the feeling. Just me. And we're looking at them and we're, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. Because we just want to look as if we are open, but actually we've withdrawn. And all of a sudden, what we find is we're guarding our hearts in a negative sense. And all the life that used to be in us has stopped flowing because actually we've stopped it. Because we've closed our hearts. The Bible says we need to be open-hearted in how we deal with people. The psalmist said, search me, know me. And I think that's a clue. See, your heart is in trouble when you can't be open with God. That's a clue. 
When you can't say to God, God, see if there's anything in me that you don't like, put your finger on it and we'll deal with it. You know then your heart's closed off. You know then actually what's happened is you don't want God to speak to you because actually if God speaks to you, you might have to deal with something. Hello? And so what happens is we close down. We say, you know what, I can't deal with that. I'm not open. And that's true with other people, isn't it? Sometimes you you don't want anybody to speak into your life because you don't want to hear anything you know you don't want to hear. You know, we all love it when people give us, you know, five things I love about you. Oh, amen. Fantastic. Five things I love about you and one thing I'm not so sure of. Just to stick with the five. Because the one thing might be the one thing that I know about. And if I know about it and you know about it, that means everybody knows about it and I'm in real trouble. You see, if you're open-hearted, you say, you know, search me, O God. Let me understand. Actually, God, I need to deal with this. See, the truth is, as soon as God draws close to some people, they instantly shut off. Because it's easier to be shut off and close to God than to allow God to actually say, you know what? I need you to respond. I need you to be open-hearted. I need you to deal with this area of your life and your circumstances. An open heart is essential for us if we're to grow. Paul says to the Corinthian church, we have spoken freely to you and open wide our hearts to you as a fair exchange. I speak to you as to my children. Open wide your heart also. How's your heart today? How wide open is it? Is it wide open with conditions? Is it wide open with uh, uh, you know, hesitation? Sometimes we just have to say, you know what, I need to open my heart again. I need to guard my heart, and to do that, I need to open it. I can't guard it by being closed off all the time because actually that stops life flowing from me, and I need to be what God's called me to be. Secondly, we need an undivided heart. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. What is he saying? Well, he's saying, listen, if you want to guard your heart, be wholehearted. Be, be committed. Be passionate. Be in there. Give it to yourself. You know, there's nothing worse than being half-hearted in anything, is there? Hello? Oh, half-hearted responses are terrible. <laughs> it's nothing worse, is there? You know, it's, it, it, it's like we just kind of like, uh, accept, you know... To be honest, half-hearted is one of the things that God draws out in the book of Revelation and says, I hate it when people are half-hearted. He says, I'd rather people were whole-hearted in their opposition to me than half-hearted in their affection for me. Wouldn't it be, you know, it's terrible, isn't it? I mean, it's hard, isn't it? I know that. It's hard to be fully. See, you can't be fully committed to everybody, but you can be whole-hearted in your approach to everybody. That's different. But you can say, you know, I'm not, you know, it's, it's horrible when you, if I was to say to Julie, you know what, Julie, I think you're great. I mean, I know you're my wife and I think highly of you. You know, sometimes I even think that I'm happy to share a third of my life with you. It's lovely. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, some days she'd take a third and leave the rest. But it's that whole thing. Uh, she doesn't want to hear that I'm, th- you know, a third of me is devoted to her. She wants to know that the whole lot, 100% is hers. <laughs> Come on. Why? Because nobody likes it when there's just a little. Friends, I want to tell you, if you want to guard your heart, you need to be passionate about what you believe. You need to be passionate about what you practice. If you just practice this little Christianity with the divided heart thing, I tell you, friends, it's the most miserable place to be. It's so unsatisfying. If you're going to love God, love him with all your heart. If you're going to worship him, worship him with all your heart. If you're going to give to him, give to him with all your heart. If you're going to speak of him, speak of him with all your heart. The world doesn't need Christianity that's going, oh, I think Jesus is great. 
You need to say, actually, you know what? I found Jesus and he's changed my life and he's changed everything about me. And I've put my hope in him and it changes everything that I do. Why? Because he's won me. I'm all in. You know, the church needs to be all in in these days because everybody else is all in. People are all in for everything they believe in. And the church is poncing about, not really giving themselves to it. I'm sorry, but it's true, isn't it? We're all in, apart from when it comes to praying. We're all in, apart from when it comes to giving. We're all in, apart from it. Friends, now I'm telling you, if you want to guard your heart, you need to give more to the kingdom of God. I'm not saying, oh, don't ask me for more hours. Friends, there are shoppers who are more committed than the church. Aren't there? Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to that person next to you. I'm just saying, come on, we need to be all in. Because if we're going to love the Lord with all our hearts, it doesn't mean we can't do anything else or love anyone else. Of course it doesn't mean that. What it means is, is that if we're going to serve God, let's serve him wholeheartedly. If we're going to call him our Lord, let's worship him wholeheartedly. Because he deserves everything, not minimum. If you want to guard your heart, then stop being stingy about what you give to God. Because a stingy spirit, a guarded spirit, disconnects you from God. Hello? Because a stingy spirit connect, disconnects you from anyone, doesn't it? You ever gone to a party you don't want to go to? You have a stingy spirit, sit in the corner. One Coke makes the whole evening last. <laughs> Bowl of peanuts and then you leave. Who have you connected with? Nobody. Why? Because your heart didn't want to go. Some of you might feel about that church this morning. Yeah. Where's the peanuts? <laughs> Why? Because we guarded our hearts because we're just so, sometimes we just have to say, you know what, I'm all in. I'm all in following Jesus. Friends, I want to tell you, it's not worth following Jesus any less than all in. It's miserable. It's religion. It's kind of like, well, you know, hopefully today I'll measure up. No, friends, it's not. I, I can't measure up to God. The only thing I can do is give him myself and say, Lord, I love you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. And it guards my heart from cynicism and from weariness. And, from, and it's not that I don't get weary, friends, but when I get weary, I go, you know what, Lord, I'm so committed to you, it doesn't matter. Everybody's so tired because they're giving themselves to things that just don't matter, friends. What are you giving yourself to that matters? What are you giving your heart to that really matters in eternity? Does, does, does this thing that you're giving your time to, does it matter that much? Well, we don't like to talk like that. Don't want to get too radical. Friends, non-radical Christianity isn't going to change the world. We've got to be wholehearted, undivided in our affections. God said to the people of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. See, he seems to know what's best for us. He says, you know what, this isn't for debate. This isn't for someone else to choose. This isn't for someone else. You can't just leave Egypt and then decide what you want to do. You shall have no other gods before me. I want wholeheartedness. If you want to guard your heart, friends, you need to make sure you don't divide your heart and start giving your attention to other things that are less than worthy of the kingdom of God. Because that's how we do it. Okay, I need to move on. I've got 52 of these. I haven't really. A faithful heart. Psalm 119. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. If you want to guard your heart, you've got to decide that you're going to be faithful to God and his word and to what it means, even if everybody else isn't. Hello. 
Even if the people around you aren't, you're saying, hey, I'm still going to be faithful. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to give myself to walking after him. I'm not treading back. I'm not stepping back. I'm not giving up. I have made a covenant with myself that I will follow Jesus all the days of my life. So my relationship with God isn't based on how great I feel today or what God's doing for me today or whether I happen to be in the valley or on the mountaintop. My relationship with God is based on a faithful covenant that I've made. I've given him my promise that I will follow him. And that's how we get out our hearts. So when all hell breaks loose, friends, we don't go, oh, well, perhaps my heart is not in God's keeping. We say, I know whom I have believed, and I believe that he is faithful to look after me. It's a faithful heart. See, we all know relationships can't prosper without faithfulness. Where there's unfaithfulness, relationships break down, don't they? We all know that. We see it everywhere in our world. We've experienced it, many of us here. We felt the knife wound of unfaithfulness into our heart and our spirit. And therefore we have to come and say, you know what? I will walk faithfully with God. I did not become a Christian because of what Jesus could do for me. I became a Christian because of what Jesus has done for me. And there's a big difference. I decided to follow him because he saved me and gave me new life. And therefore my covenant with him is to be faithful. Not because it suits me on a particular day, but because I've decided to follow Jesus. And there's no turning back. There's no day when it's inconvenient. And I say, well, you know what, today, Lord, I just want to please myself. There isn't a day like that, friends. I have to say, Lord, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Even though my enemies are surrounding me today, Lord, I'll sit and eat with you because I've got a faithful heart. I've nurtured a faithful heart. I don't feel it today, Lord. I don't, I'm not excited about it today, Lord. I'm not uh, running around saying hallelujah today. But I tell you what, I'm faithful today, Lord. My heart is faithful to you because I believe in what you've done for me and it's changed my life. And everything I am will follow you and give my life to you. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let love and faithfulness be written on your heart. You need to say to God, hey God, love and faithfulness. Here it is, I'm writing it here. I'm saying, God, whatever happens, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to guard my heart from disappointment, from discouragement, from dismay, from distress, from other things beginning with D. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to guard my heart from those things. Why? Because I've committed myself to faithfulness. I'm going to say no matter what happens, though the fig tree does not bud and there is no cattle in the stall and there's no grapes on the vine, everything might be going wrong, Lord, but guess what? I will rejoice in you because that's what faithful people do. That's how I guard my life before God. Fourthly, we have a responsive heart. 2 Chronicles 34, 27. Because your heart was responsive, you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke. Wow, what a phrase. Because your heart was responsive, you humbled yourself when you heard what he spoke. You know what? If you have a responsive heart, then actually it's easy to guard. You know, sometimes we, we, we have an unresponsive heart and we wait for God to move us. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's like, well, you know, Lord, if you're really going to speak, you better speak today so I can hear you. You better come and talk to me. Yeah, I, I, I need you to talk to me today, God. You know, I need you. The truth is that very often God could be speaking to you. You're not hearing because your heart has become unresponsive. So God speaks and you go, well, that was for them. I know they need that. They need to change. 
It's an unresponsive heart. It's something that's more concerned with ourselves. And all of a sudden we go, well, you know, I know, uh, I, I know that God was in the house today, but he wasn't there for me because my heart's responsive. But if you see a better word might be sensitivity. We need to have a sensitive heart to the Lord. So that when we sit and pray with him, I was at a conference today, uh, uh, this week in Albert Hall, and uh, Nicky Gumbel opened the conference, and he just said, he said, I, I, I've, we've got some amazing speakers lined up for you to hear, and they did have, he said, but you know the most important thing is that you decide to listen with the same level of excellence that they're going to speak. I thought, wow, that's an introduction. Because if you listen with excellence, you can get something out of nothing. But if you have an unresponsive heart, if you have something that says, well, you're going to have to dazzle me with your brilliance, because we do sometimes, don't we? Then actually we just fail to take on board anything. Why? Because our hearts are unresponsive. And that means God can come and speak to us and we don't hear it. You know, amazing thing when um, it was Jacob running and he slept at Bethel. And, um, uh, and then all of a sudden uh, he had a dream of, uh, of a ladder going into heaven and angels going up and down it. And he said these words, surely God was here and I didn't know it. Isn't that amazing when you're so insensitive to God, he has to give you a dream of a ladder into heaven so he can get your attention. If you'd been a bit more sensitive, he might not have had to have that. He could just have heard, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Because something's being said and I'm willing to take hold of it. You can do that this morning, can't you? You can listen and say, oh, my heart's fine. Or you can say, actually, have I got a responsive heart? What's the view of my heart like? How am I guarding it? Where am I in my relationship with the Lord? Hebrews 3 says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns you away from the living God. Isn't that amazing? That actually it's possible as followers of Jesus to have an unbelieving heart that turns us away from what God says to us. God speaks to us and instead of turning towards him, we turn away. God's in the house, but instead of running towards him, we we distance ourselves because our heart has become so guarded and so unresponsive to what the Lord might say to us. We can sit through all kinds of meetings. You know, I used to pride myself on my ability to sit through a meeting where God came and I just missed it all because I was so hard-hearted. I had to humble myself before God. See, sometimes you have to say, I don't matter what happens today, Lord, I'm going to meet with you. Everybody else can be doing whatever they like, Lord. I'm going to meet with you. I've been into the worst meetings in the world and still met with Jesus. Because actually my heart's open to him. I've been to some of the best meetings in the world and not met with Jesus because I had a critical spirit. It comes down to how you're going to live, how you're going to guard your heart and your life. And it could be a big decision that turns us away like when Jonah heard from the Lord and decided to go directly the opposite way and it took a a whole whale to bring him back. It could be a small decision like when Michael saw David dancing before the Lord and it says, and she despised him in her heart and was barren from that day. Wow. Her heart caused her barrenness. Wow, that's a thing, isn't it? Have you ever met people and their hearts have been so damaged that they're barren in life? They can't smile. They can't, they can't have fun. They can't build relationships. They're so broken that actually their, their hurt, their wound, their reaction, that because they didn't guard their heart, led them into such pain that they've never been able to really enjoy life. 
It's cheery this morning, isn't it? <laughs> Friends, sometimes, you know, we, the Bible gets to the heart of the issue. The Bible puts in, it cuts into our lives. It says, you know what? Are you guarding your heart? Is your heart overflowing? Is something flowing from you? Or has that flow of what the Spirit of God wants to release through your life, has that dried up because actually your heart hasn't been guarded? It's been wounded. It's been hurt. And then finally this morning, a thankful heart. Psalm 9, 1 and 2. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. We guard our hearts because we develop an attitude of thankfulness, an attitude of gratefulness, an attitude of, of, you know what, Lord, I will give thanks to you for who you are. I'm not always thankful for the stuff that I've been through, friends. I don't think you have to be. Sometimes you don't have to say, well, thank you, God, this has all gone wrong. I thought you have to say is, Lord, I'm thankful because I know you. And in the midst of knowing you, I can walk through this. And Lord, at the end of it, I can sometimes look back and say, Lord, thank you for bringing me through that. Lord, thank you for saving me from that. Lord, thank you for working in me and revealing yourself in me in that, Lord. Lord, I've learned to have an attitude of thankfulness. That says, God, even though this has happened, even though I've been accused, even though I've I've done wrong, even though maybe I've just been innocently uh, doing my life and and I've been set aside. You know, Joseph uh, was sold into slavery just for being a dreamer. Hello. Then he ended up serving as as a slave in Potiphar's house. Then he was wrongly accused of raping his mistress and put into prison where he spent 12 years uh, suffering for a crime that he hadn't committed. And all the time, what did he do? He kept an attitude of thankfulness. Thankfulness to God. Because what he decided was, I'm going to guard my heart. I can't maybe change what's going on in my life. I can't maybe change the circumstances of my life today. But I know that if I can just be thankful, God will raise me up for his purpose and for his kingdom. If I allow him to fill my life and my circumstances. Those three little words from Colossians 3 verse 15. Just say this. And be thankful. (laughs) See friends you can cry over the grave of your loved ones. Like we're going to do tomorrow. And be thankful. You can look at situations that have gone wrong. And you can say I'm still going to be thankful. You can face the challenges of life and be thankful. Not for what's happened, but for who God is and what he's done in your life. And by taking hold of the goodness of God, you guard your heart. You don't allow the injury to prosper and grow and infection and bitterness to rise up. You you cut it out, you guard your heart. Why? Because you said, you know what? I'm grateful to God for what he's done for me. And life begins to change because you have a thankful heart. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. Thankfulness is a wonderful quality, isn't it? Remember the 10 lepers who were healed, only one came back to say thankful. I'm sure the others were grateful. I'm sure the others were you know, excited and they probably wanted to say, only one came back and said, thank you. It's an attitude of our hearts, isn't it? How do we guard ourselves? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. So today, how's the view? 
of your heart. When the Lord looks at it, what does he see? Does he see the wounds? Does he see the marks? Does he see the things that have turned you away from him? Or does he see a heart that is open? That's saying, God, I'm going to live open before you and before one another. I, I, I want to please you, Lord, with who I am. I don't just want to shut down and, and lose it. Does he see a wholehearted commitment? Lord, I'm going to love you with all my heart. I'm not just going to give you a little bit of me that works for me, but actually I'm going to be passionate about who you are and what you've done for me. Does he see a faithful heart? Someone who'll stay committed even when it's tough, even when it's difficult, even when you have to work it out. Does he see a sensitivity in you that that longs to hear him, that longs to just respond to what he has to say? Does he see a thankful heart that says, you know what, God, I'm thankful that you've come into my life and saved me and changed me. Above all, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Let's pray. I just want to thank you for listening so patiently today to the word of the Lord. As I've tried to just communicate around this theme, tried to just say to us, actually, you know what? We are responsible for how we manage our hearts. Responsible for, for making it work. Maybe today you're far from the Lord. Maybe you've never really heard this message before, that actually you can know God and you can live in relationship with him. Maybe today is a day for your heart to turn towards the Lord Jesus Christ and for you to acknowledge that actually it's a place and a time for you to respond to his good news, to believe on him and what he's done for you, that Jesus came and died on the cross for the sins of the world so that the things that separate us from God no longer become a barrier for us but actually that through him we can come to call our Father in heaven, our Lord and Savior. How's your heart? Are you ready to believe in what Jesus wants to do for you this morning? Just before we pray and close our service, I just want to give an opportunity. If you're saying, Dave, I've heard you speak about hearts this morning and I realize that my heart has been closed off to God and I want to open it to him. And I want to say, God, if you're real, I want to know more about you. I want to encounter your truth. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you before we go any further. Just as our heads are bowed, would you say, just slip your hand up and say, David, you pray for me. I want to get right with God today. Is there anybody in the house? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you can put your hands down. Thank you, yes. You can put your hand down. Thank you, Mark. Father, I just pray for those this morning who, Lord, have received, Lord, this word, Lord, about um, their heart, Lord. And who maybe today just know that they need to respond to you. I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, the grace of God comes into our lives, Lord, because we respond in our hearts to who you are. Lord, it's not a big, dramatic thing. But Lord, it is a very significant thing. And so I pray that today you would come and fill people's lives with your presence and with your grace. And I pray that hearts would be changed today. Lord, because your word is here, because you've spoken to us. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, just come and bring new life to people today who need you, who long for you, Lord, that they might find you. Thank you, Lord. You know, if that's a first-time decision this morning, uh, I'd love you to come and see me after the meeting. I want to give you a little booklet called The Journey. 
just to talk about this response that you've made to the Lord from your heart and pray with you maybe just after the service. Just come and find me at the front. I'd love to do that. But I just want to talk to the church this morning before we close this morning. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. I know this is an emotive issue. I know that uh, all of us get wounds in our hearts that, that can cause us trouble. You know what? The Lord is here today and he just wants to uh, come close to us. He wants to encourage us to open our hearts again, to become responsive to him, to allow faithfulness just to be the strong characteristic of our lives. So I wonder, uh, church, just as we come to close our service, I wonder would you pray, uh, stand with me, please? We're not going to sing a song this morning to close. Um, after the service, there will be people here who can pray with you. Maybe this morning there's a heart issue that you just need someone to pray with you for. There will be a team at the front. Please do come and pray. Uh, get prayer this morning. It's important that maybe just for one or two of you, just to allow the Lord just to touch you today before you leave. We've got a team of people who will love to do that. But I just want you to think this morning. <clears throat> if here in church this morning, maybe you've never been before, maybe you've been a hundred times, but you've come and this message has come to you today. Just at this moment, it's just the right word, maybe for you. Above all, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And Maybe you just want to see something fresh flow in your life. Something from God that, that just brings life and purpose. Well, this is a moment for getting your heart right. For opening up. For giving wholeheartedly. For learning sensitivity to him. Father, I just thank you for my friends here today. Lord, we hear you today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that our hearts, Lord, really do, Lord, give life to us. Lord, physically, that's true. Lord, but also emotionally, spiritually, Lord. Lord, it's our heart response, Lord, that brings life. And so, Lord, we just come and stand before you today. Lord, just normal people, Lord, saved by you. Lord, Lord, with all our complexity and all of our issues and all of the stuff that goes on, Lord, we just stand individually before you today, person to person, and say, Lord, here are our hearts, Lord. You see, Lord, what's in us, Lord. We want you to be pleased with our heart, Lord. We want you, Lord, to look upon us and see open-heartedness, responsiveness, Lord. Lord, help us to guard, Lord, that which you've entrusted to us. Lord, help us to steward it, Lord, to use it. Lord, help us to work at it, Lord, when, Lord, we so easily would just retreat, Lord, because we feel hurt. Help us to know, Lord, that's not the thing to do. But, Lord, as we respond, Lord, then you're able to bring life in all its fullness. Help us to know, Lord, that we're stronger, open-hearted with you than we are closed off, Lord. And help us to open our hearts to you, even in the midst of pain, so that what you want to do in us can flow and that, Lord, so, Lord, this world can know your love and your grace. So I pray your blessing upon each person here today. Lord, as they've come here and heard this message, Lord, may it be a message of life to them. And, Lord, may it, uh, Lord, cause them to go from this place, Lord, rejoicing, because, Lord, you're in their heart. So, Lord, we give ourselves to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.